Hi, I'm James Vincent, host of Leaders in Innovation, a most innovative companies podcast from Fast Company. I'm a founding partner at Founder, where we help give voice to vision for founders. We've had the privilege to work with some of the biggest founders of our time, from Steve at Apple, Brian at Airbnb, Evan at Snap, Jason at Discord, and many, many more. We're back for a new season, and this year we speak to Leaders in Innovation. In an era where things are changing so quickly, it demands a new playbook for innovation. From emerging technologies like biotech to completely new categories like AI, innovating simply at the product level is not enough. To get to true impact, scale, and mass adoption now requires innovation across multiple levels. You have to design around systemic issues such as supply chain, go-to-market, new types of partnership and new ways of working, as well as technology and product experience innovation. Whilst we're going to be talking about AI and new foods and biotech, we're really going to be compiling a new innovators playbook with lessons you can apply no matter the size of your company or the job title you hold. The first episode of this new series is a live conversation with my friend Brian Chesky at the Fast Company Innovation Festival in New York. For those few who don't know who Brian is, He's a co-founder and CEO of Airbnb, the largest community-driven super brand with over 1.4 billion stays. And he's a designer and he designs around good human values. We talked last year on the same stage about leading with creativity. We talked about how Airbnb can help to tackle the loneliness epidemic. So if you haven't already, go listen to that conversation. This year, we're gonna sit down to discuss artificial intelligence, the challenge of the AI landscape today the role that AI plays in creativity, imagination, and our shared future, and how do you go about designing AI for good human relations? If anybody might know something about designing for good human relations, maybe it's Brian. And now, here's my conversation with Brian Chesky. Good to see you again. Hello again. Yes. I think we were here exactly a year ago. Exactly. In fact, we were here exactly a year ago. Brian talked lucidly about creativity and its use in companies and how important it was as a third way, a third decision. And then also this incredible conversation we had about the epidemic of loneliness and how Airbnb can solve that. So we're here again this year, and obviously it's been a long year. A lot of things have changed, uh, some really interesting and challenging developments with the topic of AI. And I felt like having Brian here will be a great opportunity to talk to a founder, a CEO that's created a really beautiful brand that has built human connection. And as we remember, Brian's a designer from RISD and he designs things. There you go. Nice, nice. Some RISD people. Very here. good. Very there good. you go. <laughs> so he designs, when you go on Airbnb, right, you feel like you're a good human and you meet other good humans <laughs> and he purposefully designs that human interaction. So we actually want to talk about that. You've done a brilliant job of 1.4 billion yeah. stays. Incredible. So then AI, you bring that into the conversation with a great brand. How do you carefully orchestrate it so it improves yeah. the human connection? Yeah. So, sorry, long spiel, yeah. but that's what we really want to get into today. Great, awesome. So let's start with the topic, AI and human interaction. How do you think about AI? Introduce us to AI from Brian Chesky's designer point of view. 
obviously, James, you worked with Apple and you worked with Steve Jobs for many years, so I'll use the Steve Jobs reference. Steve Jobs used to say that a computer is a tool, and he said humans are tool builders, and the way we further our species is we give them better tools. He even described a computer as a bicycle for the mind. What he meant with that was that humans are fairly inefficient uh, locomotive creatures, but if you give them a bicycle, they're more physically efficient than any other creature on Earth, including the condor. And so a computer was like giving somebody a bicycle. It made them significantly more efficient. And if that's what a computer was, then AI is just a massive acceleration of it. It is probably the most powerful tool ever invented by humans, and it's only the beginning. I think we're in this almost Promethean moment, as if we've discovered fire, mm -hmm. something really, really powerful. And I think it's going to lead to a massive acceleration in technology. It's really just the next evolution of computers. It's the vision that everyone's had. And I think that it's both going to be bigger than we think, and this is going to take longer than we think. Mm -hmm. I think AO is probably underestimated. Then I think when ChatGPT launched, everyone thought, oh my God, everyone's job's going away. The entire world's going to be different. And most of the world is exactly the way it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. And so this stuff is going to take some time to play out. And we can talk a little bit more about what I think it means. But I think this is going to be you know, a seminal moment. Most smart people I talk to think it's at least as important as the internet. Some people think it's as important as the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. I don't think we know, but think about it. Somewhere between the internet and industrial revolution is like a pretty big fundamental change, the biggest right. change in our lifetime. I heard an interesting quote the other day. If AI is sort of the logical connection between two points, but sped up, but human interaction, human relations aren't the logical connection between two points. So how do you think about humanity and yeah. technology and... Well, this leads to a really important question. Is this all going to be good? Right. Is AI going to be good for us or bad for us? <laughs> and the answer, like almost all technology, is it depends. Is nuclear energy good? It can light up a city or can destroy a city. It's how you use it. I don't think we should think of technology per se as good or bad. We should think of it as power. Is power good? Well, it depends on how you use it. The other thing I'd say about AI is, it's going to speed up whatever road we're going down. Yeah. And so imagine society's going down a road. If you were to like get in a car and you hit the gas, instead of going 60 miles an hour, go 1,000 miles an hour, wouldn't you look like a little farther down the road to see if you might hit something? And also imagine the car doesn't have reverse. So AI is like getting in a car, hitting the gas pedal, you're gonna go 1,000 miles an hour and you can never go in reverse. Yeah. So the faster something plays out, the more we have to understand the unintentional consequence. AI could really exacerbate a lot of the challenges we have in the world, or it can fix a lot of challenges in the world. Again, it depends on what we do with the technology. I'll use a social media as a reference. Mm. I was talking to one of the leading researchers on loneliness, and I asked her a question. I said, did social media create more loneliness, or does it create less loneliness? And she said, according to the research, it depends. If social media is used as a destination, a destination where you spend your time and that's the way you get social interaction and you're purviewing and you're watching other people's lives as if you're looking in the window of a dinner party, then it's going to make you probably lonelier. But if social media is a way station, a gateway for you to meet other people offline, then it actually can connect you with the world. The internet promised to connect us with people all over the world, but also allows us to hermetically seal ourselves in little echo chambers. AI can be the same thing. AI can connect us with people like we've never seen, but people can also start having AI girlfriends and boyfriends, and I think that's going to be very, very dark and concerning. Okay, so what... I mean, you'd be literally able to algorithmically create the perfect partner that will just agree with you every single time. So right. maybe some people might right. like that, but... 
So, so one of the things I remember you talking about was human imagination and that Airbnb and discovering the world explodes people's imagination. And so when you put AI into that and you're looking to be a gateway but not a destination, yes. how do you judge where that line is? Design that for me. <laughs> this is one of the great challenges of our lifetime, which is going to be designing technology so that's good for us, mm -hmm. not designing technology so it's bad for us. When we learned to industrialize food in the 20th century, I think a lot of people in the 20th century were dying of famines and they were dying of undereating. Now, I think more people die of overeating than undereating. In other words, a lot of unexpected consequences come to the technology. Right. I think we have to make sure that if we design something, it's good and healthy for us. We have to have the situation where we don't just think technology is good, therefore more technology is making the world a better place, therefore let's step on the gas a thousand miles an hour and not think about what we're making. I mean, that's not very, very smart. We should also not be fearful because AI can do so much good and lift up so many people all over the world. So I think what you have to do is you design principles, like what makes people happy? What is good for people? Those principles have to be imbued in the design of your product. But you also have to probably be transparent. If you think it's important for this product not to be addictive, if you think it's important for this product to do certain things for people, it would be ideal that you're transparent about the design principles that went into the tuning of these models. Otherwise, if you're like, I want this to be good for people, and I think people should be X, and they don't know that you're doing that, then you're also potentially manipulating them. But if you think the only job we have is to grow, and we grow the more people use us, and we're going to do whatever we can to optimize and manipulate you into using us more, then that's probably not going to be good for us. So I think we have to figure out what is good for people. That starts to become a humanities question. Yep. So then here becomes a larger question. Mm -hmm. Who should be in charge in the future? <laughs> should it be technologists? Should it be regulators? The answer should be, it should be everyone. We use this word diversity a lot in Silicon Valley. There's a type of diversity we don't talk a lot about. It's disciplinary diversity. One of the great things about Apple, and you said this repeatedly, and Steve Jobs talked about it, he said, Apple was the intersection of technology and the humanities. Mm -hmm. That intersection. As a designer, I'll tell you, there's 500 companies in Fortune 500. How many creative people, self-described creative people, or people that went to design school, or anything even close to that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies? Well, there's maybe one, okay? But um, there's not many others. And that's kind of lonely. Why is that? Okay, so there's probably 10 board members or 12 board members per Fortune 500 company. So that's five to 6,000 board members of Fortune 500. How many of those people come from a true humanities or creative background? Mm -hmm. I don't know the number, but again, the number is extremely small. These boards are almost always financially oriented people, mm -hmm. and they're important. Somebody once said, numbers are language of business. And I remember saying, no, language is language of business. You just think it's numbers because they're easy to quantify. Mm -hmm. There's an old saying, not everything that counts can be counted and everything can be counted counts. It's very important that we do not live in a world where everything is just purely financialized, purely operationalized, and that technologists are the only ones making technology decisions. We so, need to be a marriage of creatives, technologists, humanities. That's what made Apple so special. I'm going to put you in the same category as Apple. You're a brand I trust. I'm sure everybody in the audience would agree. And so different companies are adopting AI. I'm going to hope and pray that brands like Apple and Airbnb find that perfect tuning to bring yeah. the human 
out and not let the technology take over the human. And I think more and more as people are out in the world and there's inauthentic behavior, they don't know who to trust, they're going to look for safe harbors. And safe harbors will be brands you trust and you believe in. So no pressure, but people are going to want you to be one of those great case studies where you say, this is how you design around AI. Let's copy that. So maybe over the next few months, years, you develop a series of design principles. Is it simply trial and error? Where is that edge where technology takes over too much so you don't have any imagination? A lot of times, especially in a technological revolution like AI, we tend to work backwards from the technology. Mm -hmm. We invent a technology and we ask, what can we do? How can we use this for people? I've always liked the other way around. Work backwards from the customer experience. What do people need? Are they feeling lonely? Are they needing access to better health care? Do they need access to free, accessible education? Work backwards from the needs of the people. If you work backwards from the needs, you can reverse engineer the technology. Or you can say, we have this technology, but how can it actually help people? There's an excitement around technology, but there can be a fetishization of technology. How one would do this? I don't know if I would create abstract principles for AI generally. I think there could be. I mean, I do think there's some industry-wide principles around AI responsibility that we need to think about. But I do think that on each application, we should be thinking about how to make this a great experience for people. So let me just do a quick side tour. A lot of people in AI think there's going to be one universal chatbot, one personal AI assistant does everything for you. I'm going to give you an example how I think. I don't think that's the case. Many of you have different people in your life. You have a co-founder. You might work at a company where there's a head of marketing. You might have an assistant. You might have a technical leader. You might go to the gym and have a trainer, and then you have a professor. And each of these people are different people. They have different personalities. They have different interfaces. When Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, he said the problem with every phone was the bottom 40%, the keyboard. Mm -hmm. It didn't change. And you want a different interface for every application. For those reasons... You do not want one universal assistant answering every question for you, and I don't think you want one universal interface, Mm. whether it's ChatGPT or anything, to do everything for you. There's a reason why you have different apps in your phone. Every app has a different interface. There's an app for that. Exactly. And so you're going to want different personalities. And each personality, each application is going to come backwards from what problem we're solving for people. And the people designing it, I hope you have some designers on the team and some people asking, what are people's needs? What's good for them? What do they want? How are we going to instrument this is really great? Having a sense of intuition, imbuing into the product, Mm -hmm. and then shipping it and asking, did this do what we thought it was going to do? And unfortunately right now, most of the metrics that people use to measure success is adoption. And the reason why is because people have to raise money. And when they go to raise money, investors want to see traction because they give you a dollar, they want to get back five, and they only get back five if the graph goes up and to the right. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's an incomplete thing. Mm-hmm. And so entrepreneurs and people making products need to know that it should be financially successful, it should grow, but growth is not enough. In fact, we used to say love creates growth, not the other way around. <laughs> and so just build Building products that people love that is actually good for them. And I think maybe we need to have opinions, like what do people need? And then be transparent. This is what our brand stands for. This is what we believe, and these are the principles we've put into this product. And if you use this product, this is what's going to happen. And maybe you don't agree with our values, Mm -hmm. and you don't use the product, but now you know we're transparent, and that's what brands should probably be doing. How do you think about how I need to interact 
in the future, I'm going to have yeah. interactions of different sorts. And I'm guessing when I go traveling, it's not simply tech. Yeah, let me give you a story. So I happen to be very good friends with the CEO and the founder of OpenAI, Sam Altman. The reason I know Sam Altman so well is because he was in Y Combinator and he created a company called Looped before the iPhone, which is a location-based service. <laughs> and I met him in 2008. He was like 21 or 22. He was like this wonder kid. And I had this idea with my friends called Airbnb. And we we're like, hey, we've got this idea. And he like kind of helped me, gave me advice. And then years later, I started talking to him and we have been friends ever since. At the beginning of the year, he told me about this thing he was going to launch that were the ChatGPT plugins. You might have noticed right. in the beginning of the year, you could go, there was a drop down, there was like plugins for different sites. Mm -hmm. And he wanted us to be one of the launch partners. And we started working on these plugins. And halfway through the project, I remember calling Sam and I said, Sam, I don't think this is the right idea for us. I don't think that text is the right way to interface with Airbnb. And they ended up launching the plugins anyway, but I think that the plugins, in hindsight, were probably an incomplete interface. When you make apps in the App Store, there was this thing called the SDK, a software developer kit, and it had very robust interface tools. Because imagine if all of your apps, you had to now have a conversation. What's the weather? Now you have to type the weather. Calculator, you have to actually type a calculation. Open every app and imagine every interface is replaced by text. Do you want every interface to look exactly the same? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then it's not the right thing for most applications. With Airbnb, it is absolutely not the right application. Airbnb is more like a minority report pushing and pulling. It's multimodal, we call it. It's text, it's visual, it might even be eventually some haptics mm -hmm. to be able to like see and move mm -hmm. going in and out. And you can describe things but a lot of things people want, they don't know how to describe with words. Right. Now, words are great. Words will allow us all sorts of things. I think one of the greatest things ChatGPT will be able to do is allows everyone to code, in a sense. And let me give a, a, a very intuitive example. It, until recently, it was kind of annoying to translate English to, say, Spanish. You go to Google Translate, but it wasn't real time. Now with AI, I can speak in one language, and AI, as a real-time translator, could translate to another language. If you think of computer software as a language, we can now translate not just from English to Spanish, mm -hmm. but English to software languages. Suddenly, many more people can do what we used to call at least front-end application development. And then the technical people are going to go very, very far in the stack and get really, really bespoke mm -hmm. in building the different tools and models. So I think text is actually going to be a great way to describe software you want to make. Mm -hmm. But I actually think to interface the software, there might right. be something beyond the text interface. where it's much yeah. more visual. And this is something that Johnny and I have talked about. Right now, your phone, most of the interfaces are flat, right? You have a button and it's a block of color. We call that flat design. Yeah. And that was popularized by Apple with iOS 7, I think, yeah. in like 2013 or 2014. And Johnny and the team led that. Well, having worked with them, I can tell you that we think there's something after flat. Mm -hmm. We think the thing after flat is a more dimensional interface. It's not quite the skeuomorphism of the 2000s where there's a wood grain, but it's not quite flat. And the reason it's not quite flat is because the more times people spend on screens, the more dimension they want, the more they want to feel like they're getting some haptics. And AI will allow, because look at all the mid-journey in Dolly mm -hmm. 3, like mm -hmm. you're going to be able, allow interfaces to be more three-dimensional. So there's, it's the whole thing is going to open and change. And that's what I think it's going to look like. This is exactly what I wanted Brian to talk about. How many, how many companies are you hearing 
being this thoughtful about how they're implementing AI. It's like that quote in Steve Jobs, technology's not enough. Yeah. It's technology. And the liberal arts with that the makes the heart arts. sing. Yeah. That's exactly what it's That was like. the last thing he presented before. Before he died. And us. it's something that just still hangs in the air yep. 12 years later or 13 years later. And the reason why is because products need to have a soul. Yep. Yep. And I think that's the challenge of the moment. I'm grateful for you to join me here and talk about and really pull it apart as a designer, how you're thinking about the use of words and text, the interface. I think that's a really interesting way to think about it. What is the interface? It's not flat. It's not just words. How are you interacting as a human being? How do you pull that, that imagination? Because the challenge would be that AI goes too far and doesn't allow the human in and my hope would be that people like you, Apple, other good brands, create these great use cases. Because I think the problem right now is that destructive narratives around AI seem to be more loud than constructive narratives. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as people say. But I also think, again, if you had a car and the gas pedal went to 1,000 miles an hour, it yeah. doesn't mean the car is bad, but you would be careful before you hit the gas to see what's in front of you. I think you mentioned this earlier, but I think people underestimate the long-term impact of technology and overestimate what it's going to do in the short term. Yeah, there's an old saying, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And that's right. never been more true than today. Right. Is this compounding growth? I mean, even just this year, it felt like we we're in light years. Yeah. But actually, we're really early. But yet, this conference is exactly the same as last year. I'm in the same room, and I'm not criticizing you. And I'm like, still here. And you're still here. I've been sitting here for and a year waiting for you to come back. not in a simulation, and you're all real people. I don't know where you've been. Exactly. You need to come back, man. <laughs> exactly. You've been here this you entire time. You need to time. come back. But I want to thank you for tackling the really tough issues with AI. I wish more people did it, because I think well, it's the you. moment to do that. So thank you. I think you, this is uh, exciting. Maybe I'll just end with this one thought. When ChatGPT launched and a lot of the AI tools came up, a lot of people were asking me my opinion. And one of the things I said is, what an exciting time to be alive. Yeah. Because there's only certain times in human history where things really, really change and we can participate. And I think the biggest message I would say regarding AI is there's a saying, I think Albert Einstein has said it, I'm not entirely sure, but he said the best way to keep your balance on a bicycle is to keep moving. And the biggest risk is that certain people get afraid of AI and they don't participate. Creative people have to get in and the play with it. Creative people and yeah. all the humanities people have to join the technologists. Yep. And AI should actually make it more accessible, yep. not less accessible. And I think it's normal to be afraid of something. And the more you're afraid of something, the more you feel left out. And then you think it's a threat. But it actually can benefit anyone that participates. And actually, the only scenario that this ends well is that everyone participates when we have a diversity of opinions. If you only have a few people controlling the future, that's not usually a good thing. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. As I mentioned in the intro, this year we're building a new playbook for innovation. And who better to start us off than Brian Chesky of Airbnb? For Brian, this new playbook as it relates to transformative new technologies like AI, it's all about designing with intention and providing good use cases for AI that foster good human interactions. Because if brands like Airbnb and Apple and others can help signal a more positive relationship between AI and good human relations, they'll become safe harbors in the future and perhaps provide a model for others to follow. There are two or three major learnings from what Brian said. The first one is that AI is like a car driving at a thousand miles an hour and you can't go in reverse. 
So whatever direction we set it, it's going to go exponentially faster. So let's think about where we're going. Let's think about the intention and the human interaction that comes from whatever it is we're designing. The second uh, major lesson that Brian shared was the need to build good design principles into whatever you build for AI. We were reminded of the quote from Steve Jobs that technology alone is not enough. It's technology with the human condition, the liberal arts that makes the heart sing. And Brian mentioned that products need to have a soul. I think it's companies like Airbnb and perhaps Apple who are thinking about the output, what's going to happen in this interaction with AI and whether that's good or not good for humanity that will become the beacons in the future to how others should follow. The third and maybe the most pressing call from Brian was a call to arms for creative people to engage with AI, to step up for great designers and great companies to step forward and start to think about what kind of interfaces, what kind of interactions, what kind of prompts and training can we bring to AI so that the result of what we get is positive for the human condition. Think about where we're trying to go and work backwards, not simply work from where we are and see if we can create a more sticky version of the product we have, but think about the implications of what we're trying to build and design for good human interaction. That's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to Leaders in Innovation wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you like this episode, give it a rating. Five star would be awesome. And review it on Apple Podcasts, if you would. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you want to hear more of. You can email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us hashtag leaders in innovation. Leaders in Innovation is a production of Fast Company in partnership with founder FNDR. Couldn't afford the vowels. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen, produced and edited by Matt Toda, sound designed by Nicholas Torres. The writing is Matias Sanchez. Also ably assisted by a merry band of Camilla, LJ, Hannah, Nikki, Naomi, Nick. This podcast is done in collaboration with my amazing partners at Founder, Stephen Butler, Rebecca Jeffries, and Nick Barron.